Welcome to episode five of the Triathlete Hour. Today, we talk with 70.3 champ Holly Lawrence about injuries, avoiding rides in the rain, and what she tells herself during races. First, though, I'm here with our own senior editor, Chris Foster. Hi, Chris. Hey, Kelly. How are you doing? Good. And so, so Chris, in case you don't know, used to race on the ITU circuit, and he just wrote a book, uh, not to like, you know, self-promo, but The Triathlete Guide to Olympic and Sprint Racing. So you know like a lot of stuff about about racing, basically, <laughs> and gear. Lots of gear. Yeah, lots of gear, lots of racing. I mean, my thing is the best person to talk to about like training and gear is someone who has done it all wrong. And I've done so many <laughs> things wrong in gear. I've broken so many things. I've over-tightened so many things. I've dropped so many things. Um, so that's why that's why I consider myself an expert because I'm terrible. Good. Because <laughs> I'm terrible. <laughs> you're like an expert by default. Yep. Exactly. <laughs> And you're also down in LA. So uh, can you tell us like a little bit, I feel like I have to check in with everyone when I talk to them. What are the restrictions there? What is your situation? How are you kind of coping? Yeah, so things are pretty tight in terms of outdoor sports. Um, We're able to go to the grocery store. Uh, You can basically travel around, you know, they say stay at home, but, but all of our trails and our beaches and most of our open water swimming is like shut down real hard. Like not like we don't suggest you go, but like, there are rangers at the trailhead handing out thousand dollar tickets. Um, oh no, you got a ticket? Is this from experience? No, oh my gosh, no, 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 no. But you know they have stuff on news. Like I think a surfer got a thousand dollar ticket. I think some paddleboarder got like arrested in Malibu. Like things are wild with the outdoor right now. So um, that's too bad. So have you mostly, I mean, I know you're not like full on triathlete anymore, but you still like run. You still test a lot of bikes. You still. So have you been doing all that inside or are you still getting outside? No, I'm pretty much exclusively outside. Um, I just run on the roads, ride on the roads. I mean, the, the reality of the situation is here. Like even if the trails and the beaches are closed, we still have some of the most beautiful roads for training on and like, you know, the whole country. So um, it sounds like I'm complaining in one hand, but in the other, things are still pretty nice. <laughs> like it's pretty, it's pretty okay. Yeah. Um, well, cause I wanted to talk to you cause I, you and I were joking a week or so ago that I was going to end up injured with my like indoor training setup, and I've totally ended up quarantine injured. <laughs> and then when I joked about this on social media this weekend, a whole bunch of people said they too had been quarantine injured. So I think this is a thing now. I think people are getting quarantine injured. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you think about all the things that you're used to doing, um, say, okay. So say you used to go to an office to work and now you're working at home, you know, like that's best case scenario. Um, you're, you're like me, I'm sitting right now in some garbage dining room chair at this like tiny little table. Like I don't have a nice office chair. I don't have an ergonomic desk. I don't have all the normal things I would if I was working at an office. So I think you're getting a lot of those weird sitting injuries. Um, but kind of more to your point, I think people are like, you know, we're stressed right now, but we still want to train. And so you're like, well, I want to be safe. I want to train inside. And some of us, like, you know, we both live in California, just aren't used to training inside that much. Oh, yeah. No, my problem was definitely I like I don't ride the trainer very unless it's pouring rain. And I upped my trainering way too quickly. And, you know, as you and I have talked about, but people kind of aren't aware of, there are definitely some differences to riding the trainer versus riding outside. Like you have less wiggle room, you move around a little bit less. And for me, I end up completely overstressing one side of my body just because of how I end up like kind of twisted on the trainer. And so it totally led to a hamstring injury, which you combine that with the sitting, you combine that with more running, no swimming. But when I said this to some people, they were like, wait, you can train her too much? That's a thing? Um, and it definitely is. Like, definitely. Yeah. And, and it matters how you set up your trainer, too. Like, if you've got, like, 
a centimeter of imbalance, you know, like you've got a wonky floor or maybe a little leg on the trainer that's a little bit off, like boom, right there. That's instant hamstring injury. If you're using, if you're riding enough and you're not making the adjustment, like I, I'd be willing to bet that might be what happened to you. <laughs> oh yeah. No, my, uh, my, my trainer might tilt to one side yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah. And outside you're just like, okay, an imbalance, you know, you work it out, you're moving around, but, but when you're stuck in that status static position indoors, like, yeah, it can really amplify. Okay. So what would you advise then from your, like, cause you're our gear expert on staff. What would you advise like that? I could even short of buying that $1,500 <laughs> platform that like mimics road feel. What can you even do about all of this? So, um, there is that, that crazy trainer platform. Um, there is a brand, you know, I'm going to say buy something, but, um, there is a brand called Kirk Kinetic. You're like looking at yeah, it. You can hear me. Right along. Now. <laughs> um, Kirk Kinetic makes this, it, it rolls a little bit. Um, so you can kind of help for that, um, that imbalance you might get honestly using a level, you know, buying a level at a mm-hmm. hardware store, making sure your, your four aft is level as you want it to be your side to side is level as you want it to be. Make sure you have the right riser block. Um, you know, so you're comfortable there. Um, short of that, you just, everyone has to make like recovery and stretching and all that stuff a priority right now. Like even if it's not preventing injury, just, you know, like keeping your immunity up, like you have to set aside time, um, to do all that stuff. Like my wife and I both, we've been like, okay, it's, it's time to roll out. Like it's an hour rollout time while we watch TV in the evening. And like, we both feel a billion times better. But before we started doing that, we felt a billion times worse because we were inside so much. Interesting. Okay. So if you were going to say like the key pieces of gear someone needs right now in, you know, quarantine training, it sounds like roller recovery is is really up there. It should be like the first thing. And and honestly, everyone should have had this to begin with. So like along with (laughs) everyone's just like, well, it's time to start washing your hands. You should have been washing your hands the whole time. But (laughs) in that same way, you know, you should have had a a foam roller the whole time. Um, but now it's like, it's essential. Like you've just got to start with foam roller. Honestly, you should be taking time to do, um, you know, plyos kind of quick movements, things like that. Um, because you should have technically extra time. You're not driving, you know, to your workout. You're not, you know, I have no extra time, Chris. I don't know what that's about. (laughs) Yeah. Neither do I, but I would imagine someone has extra time. Um, but no, I would say a roller is number one. Uh, like, like a big foam roller. Um, Trigger Point makes a bunch of different good ones that I like. Um, yeah. Rolga makes a really good okay. one. R-O-L-L-G-A. I like that one a lot too. Okay. So you guys are getting your like the full gear insight on what you need. Mm-hmm. And you, I know you're not like super big on Zwift or any of the virtual platforms and I'm not either, but they're, they're obviously people are really loving them right now. What are you finding really handy in this time of like quarantining when you can't train with other people? What are you liking a lot? Yeah. So for me, I'm, I'm the same way. I'm not a huge Zwifter. Like I've used it quite a bit, but, um, but during this time I'm, you know, it's so nice out and for me, I need to be outside. So I've actually been leaning on Strava a lot. Um, and this is not just some random shameless plug. Like I, I made a club. You just, you make a club, make a club with your friends and it can be like four or five oh. friends, or you could join the triathlete <laughs> magazine club Thank you. I was going to say right there. Um, <laughs> but no, even before we decided to start doing that, I, I had been using Strava a lot because it's just, it's a quick way to keep track of your friends on social media, auto uploads, and then obviously you can start challenging each other and you can set cool things. Like there's this climb less than a mile from my house and freaking, um, what's that guy's name? Phil Gaiman has it, you know, he did the, oh, yeah. yeah. And so I'm like, you know what? I'm probably not going to break his KOM. 
but I like to get within 30 seconds and you can set a goal. Um, so it's, you know, it's something, it's like almost in place of training, you know, it's just like your little local yeah. goal and that helps me a lot. Yeah. Okay. I was actually going to write like a guide to KOM hunting, QOM hunting this week, kind of, cause I think those, that is something people can do. Even if, uh, even if you're not going to get the KOM, right. cause like, I don't think all of us can get the no, KOM. No. It's still fun. Yeah. I think it's kind of a cool thing too. Like, you know, some of those KOMs near, near your place, it's like, try to take them back or at least get yourself on the leaderboard, you know, from these random retired pros who are going around taking them all. I did also have a friend this week run a 5k PR on Strava and I was like on there looking at the course and being like, I don't know, that's net downhill. I'm going to go and try and find a net downhill course. Sketchy. No, I know. I, uh, yeah, no, Strava has been, been really fun. I've been digging into that a lot and that, that kind of keeps me, it's like one of those things you, you always hear that corny phrase that people are using right now. It's like together apart. I feel like that's Strava. Like you can still kind of compete, um, but not have to be there at the same time you can still be safe and all that stuff so and we did mention it really fast but we did start a triathlete magazine strava club that has like 800 people in it now mm. so um you should go and join that google or google it search it on strava and there are a handful of pros in there too so you can actually see some of their kom attempts files in the club which is kind of fun um and cool one other thing i want to talk to you about which like you were a former ITU racer. So I think you probably have some experience with um, just like all the stuff that goes into ITU racing and into being a pro athlete, you know, all the doping controls, all of the behind the scenes stuff. And uh, I've had a number of athletes point out to me now that we've been on social distancing for a month or so, there hasn't been any drug testing in like in a month, like in a month or so, which uh, doesn't mean that people suddenly started doping. Right. Like if they were before, they, they probably right. are now. Um but it, it certainly raises some questions. And then I saw this week that USADA, USA Doping Administration, I can never remember what this stands for, uh, is going to start doing virtual drug testing. Like they're literally with Zoom. You like go on your Zoom <laughs> meeting and show them that you're like taking your own blood sample. <laughs> uh, and so I was curious what uh, what you think about all of that well, craziness. Yeah, I mean, you just brought it up this morning, so I haven't read it too carefully, but I can't fathom how that's supposed to be accurate. <laughs> I mean, already... Like, you know, there's a lot of ways, not that I've ever experienced any of this, but I mean, you're dealing with very motivated people who are maybe trying to use drugs. And you're also, unfortunately, dealing with mildly motivated people who are trying to test and catch them. Um, so you've got this disproportionate amount of motivation. And anytime you have that, you know, you know, virtual, like, I don't know. I mean, unless they're talking about someone being like biomonitored 24-7, which is not only illegal, but impossible. Um I can't fathom how that would that would work, except maybe to be like, hey, look, we're checking this box. We're trying something. It's not a complete free for all. You know, it's not the Wild West during coronavirus. But um, aside from that, I mean, that's that seems silly to me. Yeah, I mean, I think they're trying, yeah. uh, you know, they're doing the best they can. Right. And I, I, I definitely don't think like and people can yell at me for this, whatever. But I definitely don't think triathletes are going nuts doping in this time. Um, but it is just like a funny, a funny quirk of of coronavirus of the quarantine age that you forget about about all these little things that can't happen right now just because we can't be close to each other. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of weird side effects of this thing for sure, and I'm sure we have like I'm sure we haven't <laughs> even thought of <laughs> the weirdest ones yet. <laughs> oh yeah, we'll like find out in like a month or two. Like, oh right, that thing <laughs> that we didn't think <laughs> yeah, about. Whoops. Yeah. No, no. Um. 
But I did. I do think, you know, once racing comes back, you know, people will be. Well, people will be ready for racing to come back, but, you know, hopefully they won't be too injured. Hopefully everyone doesn't burn themselves out. Hopefully nothing goes wrong. And then we can kind of maybe slowly get back to some smaller events, you know, later this year. Yeah, I think people are definitely ready for it. I mean, I think hopefully, you know, I've written about this a couple of times. But hopefully people come out of this. I mean, stronger, obviously, physically, but, you know, a little bit mentally, too. Um, just kind of feeling a little more of an appreciation for our sport and just being able to, you know, simply go out, swim, bike and run. Yeah, yeah. Just like uh, getting back to the basics, yeah. right? That's what we're all going to we're all going to do. 100%. <laughs> Fighting it out on Strava, back to the basics. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Well, thank you for chatting with me, Chris. Uh, it's been it's been good to, to catch up on all of the gear and training questions people have absolutely thank you for having me kelly you know you don't want to miss anything coming up on the triathlete hour so subscribe on itunes spotify iHeartRadio, wherever you get your podcast new episodes drop on wednesdays now the rest of the show and, uh, and next up, we'll be talking with world champ Holly Lawrence. Um, a warning, we did have some major technical challenges in the middle, but don't worry, the whole thing is still there. You just have to wait a second and stick with us. And I promise Holly comes right back and has some awesome things to say about how injury prepared her for all this and, and why she thinks pro triathletes are a little boring. So stay tuned. All right, well, welcome, Holly. Thanks for joining us from, uh, from LA. That's where you're at, right? Yeah. Hey. Yeah, thanks for having me. So I know... Uh, well, I was very curious because we were going to talk earlier, but you wanted to get your ride in before it started raining. And I'm a big advocate of avoiding the riding in the rain, but some people are super all about riding the rain makes you hard. So it sounds like you might be on my side on this. Well, definitely, because I came from the UK and I've done my time in British winter <laughs> when um, you'd still plan around the weather, but you know, for sure you'd be five minutes out into a long ride and you'd get absolutely pissed on and it'd be normal just to ride with an aero shell over your helmet and kind of brave the weather. So that's why I live in SoCal now, not having to deal with that. So exactly. yeah, I feel like I've done my time with it. <laughs> that's how I feel too. Um, but you are in LA in Santa Monica now. And so you guys are on what, like quasi restrictions. You were swimming at the beach somewhat regularly, but they shut all that down now, right? Yeah, I mean, I have no concept of time, so I wouldn't be able to tell you when anything <laughs> happened because I, I couldn't tell you, you know, time rolls into each other now. Um, yeah, so initially the pools were shut and that was the only limitation to my training. So I just was going out into the ocean. But then a couple of weeks later, and you kind of have in the back of your mind that, okay, you know, it'll just be like the next thing after the next thing, the tracks get closed, you know, whatever. So. Um, yeah, so that, that got closed. I was able to swim in an apartment pool of a friend's for a little <laughs> bit. And it was like one of these, like 20, we measured it. It was like 20 <laughs> meters long and it was like a steps on one side and kind of curved edge on the other, but it was like, great. You could still swim. And I think it was early last week, um, that that got shut. So now like totally out of the water and just using stretch boards and but luckily we can still get out and ride and, and run as long as, you know, it's on your own and, um, and can obviously still turbo and treadmill run on Zwift. Turbo means trainer, right? Trainer. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
I've, when we've been doing these uh, podcasts, I feel like I need to say what day we're talking in case like things change by the time. So it's April 7th. By the time this airs next week, yeah. who knows, right? What will happen? Yeah, I think we're like three and a half weeks into lockdown. Yeah, in like California. since we've been like, yeah, in California. Yeah. Which feels like, you know, every, every place is on a different, on a different timeline. And well, someone just have- sent me um, a meme saying, it's like having a peeing section of the swimming pool. And I was like, yeah, that's so right. <laughs> it's true. Uh, because you have family in the UK too, right? And they went yeah. later, but then into total lockdown. You're only allowed out once a day there or something now, right? Yeah. Yeah. But then they, yeah, they were a lot later in like having the restaurants closed and um, things like that. And they're starting to get a bit more serious now. So how stressful has all of this been? Obviously, you know, to some degree, you're still able to do your training, but there aren't races. What's been the hardest part or the the thing that's, you know, the most stressful to you about all of it? Yeah, I suppose it's just the unknown. Like, because you know, it's kind of comforting knowing it's not your fault. It's not like when you have, you miss a season of racing because you're injured and, you know, it's directly your fault and you feel that like this is happening to everyone. It's kind of comforting that, you know, it just, it, it isn't your fault and you're just having to, it's, it's also, we're in a kind of um, more privileged position than some other people. You, you just know that other people have it worse. So um, you can't kind of gripe too much about just having races canceled because the issue is obviously a lot bigger than that. Um, but yeah, it's hard. Like the first couple of weeks I found myself every, every day scrolling through the news and, you know, feeling a little bit more stressed and just anxious and going to bed at night, suddenly feeling like I'm in a movie. And kind of soon as I tapped out of that, I felt a lot better about it, but still, I just kind of, I'm still training as if I know races will happen this year and, you know, and still kind of hoping at least while training, at least they're going to be back in like, June, July, even if that's not possible for me, that kind of helps me just to stay grounded in my current routine, kind of preparing for that because we don't know that that won't happen yet. So you want to be ready if it does, basically. Yeah. I was going to ask you how, because obviously you had a really long injury Mm -hmm. all of like 2018, basically came back last year. And I was thinking, what that, how this compares to being out for the year of 2018, like what you would have learned from then that helps you now and which one was, you know, definitely the injury prepared me for this. Okay. Yeah. I mean, definitely the injury was way harder because you know, the whole triathlon world still continued. (laughs) I, I, uh, I had to tune out of it just to, you know, stay sane because I hated, I hated just being not being a part of it. Um, but I'm glad that I'm glad that that happened anyway for, you know, dealing with everything. And I learned a lot about myself and, you know, even in the aftermath or whatever, but, um, I definitely wouldn't be coping as well as I am with this situation if I hadn't been through that, which is way, way worse. <laughs> <laughs> so you're just telling people that was way, because to be clear, if people don't know, you basically broke your foot in the middle of Oceanside 2018 like and you finished the race and then you it was like an it was a really bad break and it took a long yeah yeah so I think I started the injury a a lot earlier I had a crash um 
it was like 10 days before Island House the year before in 17. Mm-hmm. Um, and I crashed and I went to see my, so sure my boyfriend picked me up because um, I found him and, and then we drove down to see my physio at the time. And, and it, it, I felt fine and I wasn't complaining about my foot, but that evening my, my foot went, you know, from, a, from zero to a hundred and I'm suddenly in inconsolable pain, worst pain in my life. Hmm. Um, crying, texting my physio, like, you're going to think I'm crazy, but I think my foot's broken. And managed to get to sleep that night. I didn't know whether to go to A&E or whether it just take too long. And I was, you know, just managed to somehow get to sleep. And then in the morning, I could still kind of, I could walk. Like before I couldn't, you know, Sean lifted me into bed and we just packed it with ice and it just felt like it was hanging and I just swore it was broken, which is a really odd feeling. Right. Huh. Um, but then, so the next day I like got it moving to swim or whatever, but fast forward, I ended up racing Island house 10 days later doing fine. I, you know, came third against like Flora and whoever, like, you know, race well. And then Bahrain seven days after that and won it. Um, but I always, always had this kind of weird locking up when I was running since mm. then. So I think I started an injury and then it was in Oceanside when I was on the bike and I like drove out of the saddle, like, you know, lifted myself up and like went to like, you know, drive and um, my like foot just gave way and I like nearly, nearly hit the deck while I was riding. Um, and I thought, oh my God, like something's wrong, but managed just to, you know, forget about it, keep riding. And it wasn't until I got off to run and I was like, oh my God, my foot's, you know, it doesn't fit. I was like limping through transition and somehow finished. <laughs> yeah, that's what's that crazy. That's what's totally crazy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I couldn't, I couldn't step. I couldn't step one step after I finished and kind of was like, ha ha ha. Like, yeah, laughed it off. Sean carried me off because <laughs> I couldn't walk. Um, and then, but I honestly, because it was, it was probably more painful back in, you know, after, before Island House. Hmm. I was like, ha ah, ha, I've been through this before. I'll just sleep it off. It'll be fine. Um, <laughs> and then it was like three days. And I'm like, yeah, but I really pissed off this time. I ran half a marathon on it. Um, and it was like all black and blue and huge. And the physio at the time, we said, oh, just send me a picture of it. Um, so I did. And then he was like, Oh, get that shit straight. Like <laughs> it's, it's, it's bad. And yeah, then it was like, right. Catastrophic, um, like prognosis. Um, but yeah, back yeah, at it. So. Yeah. No, I've heard you talk a few times about kind of how the doctor at first said, Nope, you're done. You're not going to walk again. And, mm-hmm. and you got a second opinion. And obviously, I mean, you didn't just walk again. You basically came back like full speed. Like there was no like easing back into things. By the time you came back at the end of 20- in December, yeah, December. It was, it was so I broke. So that was April. Uh, wasted six weeks first because I I had three three surge three opinions. Uh, one surgeon was like, "Oh, this thing will heal in nothing." You know, cast it six weeks, getting CTs, CT scans every two weeks. Um, it wasn't healing. Right. Then the doctor of doom was like, this is it. You're not going to run again. You're definitely not going to be competitive anymore. Your career is over. <laughs> uh, so obviously didn't go with her, but it helped me having that anyway, because I really didn't mess around with it when I finally got a doctor that was 
you know, optimistic, but was like, you, you know, you don't mess around with this. If you're not going to be running, running a step till 16 weeks after the surgery. And at that point I wasn't going to push it. Whereas maybe before I would have, I don't know. Um, and then in December, you know, it was like a pretty, a pretty kind of linear, um, progression back. And I credit that to my coach, um, Dean Golich. Like at the, I hated it at the time he made me wear these bone loading devices, like measuring devices on my, um, ankles, which okay. looked, looked like I was just wearing two chiming chips, but it would really dig into my bones. And I just hated them. Um, but basically it wouldn't let me. Oh no. Okay, this is where Zoom kicked out on us. So the sound quality and the rest of this conversation is a little more like we're chatting on the phone. Because we are. Here's Holly. All right, so we had a little a little tech problem in this like age of social distancing. There's been a lot of overloading on the Zoom, I think. It's been crashing a lot lately. Oh yeah, that's probably true. Everyone's yeah. zooming now. Like random families are zooming. <laughs> it was, you know, reserved before for office calls, whereas now everyone's at it. I know. And so I've been having so many things crash lately. But guys, we're sorry. Holly was in the middle of telling us all about how she came back from her injury and she had to wear bone density bracelets and then then everything went down. Um, but I actually was really interested kind of in you came back and you never, I mean, it's it's like, it's really interesting to me what, what's been going on in your head versus the perception. Because to me, you never faltered. Like you disappeared for a year and then you came back and like won your first race back. Like it was never like, oh, she's just back to participate. You came back like full <laughs> team. But it sounds like you had a long time there where you weren't sure. Like you weren't sure if it was going to be like that. Well, I just wasn't, I suppose when someone tells you that you're not going to be able to run like you used to. Um, but then there's, an, you know, you see another doctor a month later or whatever it is that says you will be and that you and and that's one thing I did I saw out I know any every athlete that's had a navicular break <laughs> and I followed um you know their recovery and them running afterwards and there was a runner who um who's in the UK Andy Bouchard who I didn't even really wasn't aware of before this injury but um he was like I think like a month ahead of me on um on our progression of the same injury and I was kind of following him or rooting for him when he was like back racing and um and I was like and he's a real runner he has to run fast and um <laughs> and you know I know steeplechases and I'm like and they have to jump like I don't have to jump <laughs> so I feel like um I was just gonna give it everything and I wasn't right. at that point ready to ready to accept what anyone had to say or and I've always been some, someone that wants to prove everybody wrong. I would rather <laughs> people discount me than big me up, uh, you know, any day, every time. That must not work out that well now since, like, everyone pretty much thinks you're really good, right? Like, how do you, how do you keep that up? <laughs> I still have to manage expectations <laughs> all the time, all the time. Like, I'll, 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 you know, leave my, like, actual goals very close to my heart and kind of, give other people metered versions of that or um, just because I would rather, I've always been like a doer instead of a talker about what I want to do. And even when it comes to like pre-races, I'll never, I'll never say, Oh yeah, I want to win this race or whatever. Cause I just, it doesn't, it doesn't fit well with me. I don't want to be 
shouting about what I'm going to do. I just want to do it. Um, and and I, I feel like talking about it kind of negates that somehow. So I right. kind of keep it quite close to my chest with that. Okay. Um, and actually, reminds me, I was at Oceanside last year when you then you made your return to Oceanside and you got second to Daniela. But that, that seems great to me. But I was talking to, I think, like one of your friends after something, and they said that you genuinely, during the race, we're thinking, oh, my God, yeah. I'm terrible. I'm doing terrible. I should quit the sport. I'm going to become a teacher. I was like, what? Is that oh, it was, yeah, I mean, it was a really bad day because I haven't, in the last couple of years, I haven't had a day that I've just biked. I just had didn't have, didn't have my, like, power on the bike that I would expect. And just I was just like, this is pathetic. What am I doing? You know, just this right. is you know training watts and it just being so much lower than I wanted it to be, or just expect expected the bare minimum of myself to be, and I just felt like I was letting myself down and letting everyone down and whatever else, and kind of just like let that kind of get to me. Um, and it was when I was like running, because um, I was like perfectly happy with it. okay, well I'll just bike in to transition and to see kind of thing. And I ran past Sean, um, my boyfriend, and I kind of like made a face to him or something like, I want to quit. Like, I, this is horrible. I just felt like really tired. And and he just looked at me and was like, why? Like really, with a really angry kind of voice. And I was like, yeah, you're right. Like, there's no <laughs> reason. Like, I'm not hurt. Like, I can just jog this out. And I did, you know, even for what I classified at the time was just like, you know, getting my head out of my ass and just running through. It was like, you know, when you bonked and you don't really have anything and you're just like, okay, I just need to treat this like a training day and finish the thing. And, and like, I was so happy just to do that in the end. And like, it was just swallowing my pride and I needed that. And cause, you know, like you can't just go from like wins and wins and wins and then it's just harder to fall. So I felt like it was a good, it was a good time to do that. Um, but yeah, it was kind of, it was a, it was a painful, painful on my pride race. Yeah. That's so funny. Cause I was like, what cracked me up about that was, I mean, you still got second, right? Like I would have loved yeah. to have been It's just, it's hard for people to like imagine that even, even the person getting second is, you know, going through that in their head. Yeah, I don't know, and like, I don't know if I'd made a comment about it afterwards, and I got a bit of stick from from people saying, you know, I shouldn't do that, say anything publicly because it's, you know, not not nice to the people that were finishing behind me or whatever, and you know, I felt generally really bad about that, and but I'm just someone that says exactly how I think. I'm not, you know, often the most you know, just like public relations kind of person that I've, you know, say the right thing at the right time. I don't, I just, it just comes out. So, um, yeah, I kind of had to deal with that afterwards. Oh yeah. I didn't think about that. I didn't. Yeah. I could, people are often very careful about what they say before and after races, which must be a, a tough aspect of the job. I would imagine. Yeah, it is. And I get frustrated with it sometimes because I also think that, um, it kind of just mutes, like people really not, you know, saying what they think and feel. It kind of makes it a little, you know, the like the characters and everything with the 
with the sport a little bit more boring, which is my kind I was of... say, yeah. It's boring, right? Like, that's the problem. It gets boring. Yeah, like, we're all just saying this, like, just to be polite, sit, you know, on the right side of the rules and not to piss anyone off. And I just think, you know, other sports, they don't do that. And I don't know. I just, I just, yeah. That's okay. my kind right. of feeling on that. So you're ready to, like, start rivalries, trash talk, do some, like, boxer <laughs> level. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I'm all for that. <laughs> I'll, I'll at least tune into it. Okay. Um, I did want to ask you, I mean, I was at Nice this past fall when you, again, got second, and I thought, and you said it was, like, a really emotional, really, you really felt it was a victory. Um, it was a really good race, too. And what I noticed was, like, sure, Daniela won, and she's very, very good, but nobody, least of all you, was racing as if, they were racing for second. Like every one of the girls kept trying to go for it. You came out of the run running super, like like you were going to run her down. Um, That's and what it really I was felt, to do. Yeah. I had one card to play. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I could well, have like, like played it safe and be right. like, you know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to, I'm not going to, um, you know, endanger my place at second place, you know, because I could have, I could have totally bonked and effed up and ended up walking the way I was going out. But it was like, <laughs> this is, this is, this is my move and it either works or it doesn't. Yeah. I mean, it seemed like a big shift too in the women's race, like that people felt like she could be beat and they felt like they should go for it, that it wasn't just, you know, we're just here to participate. It, a lot of people have commented to me that that race was pretty exciting. Um, it was stressful. <laughs> I have never got out of swim with so much company and being like, oh, man, I'm not ready for this. <laughs> like, I wasn't prepared that this was going to be a scenario. And I like to prepare myself with, like, any possible scenario. And it was just like that rule book was just thrown out and it was just like a free-for-all and just stuff was happening all around you all the time. And it was just, yeah, it was crazy. Yeah, uh, I think the 70.3s are going to keep being stressful. I got news for you. I think that, like, more, more and more people are kind of Well, at least we're not going to have an hour-long descent again. I feel like <laughs> that was a one and done. <laughs> Thank yeah. God. That's yeah, probably that true. That was a big stress um, going in because, like, I am I am not a good defender. Like, I'm I'm fine, but I'm I'm not like Daniela is at defending. She can beat half of the guys at defending. So, um I knew that going in and that was kind of the focus. That's why I spent time in Nice before just to kind of maximize what I could do on the course. And then that kind of was the way I kind of treated the whole race. It was always what I could do versus just trying to race someone else because it wasn't, it wasn't in my control how other people could descend. It was just like, I just have to be the best and execute as best as I can. And um, and so that's why, you know, crossed the line in second place and I was still over the moon. Yeah. I mean, you like crossed the line and fell over. So you looked like you uh, had gone mm. hurt. You could go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It, it does seem though, like the 70.3 distance has really gotten, well, one deeper on the women's side and two people who are really specializing in it. It's not just, you know, an afterthought anymore. Um, and it's certainly, yeah. you are certainly a specialist. Like, you really focus on the 70.3. Yeah. I haven't done a full Ironman yet. 
Although that was the plan this year, which I'm still waiting to find out what the new schedule will look like. What? Which one was the plan? Which St. George. Um, which kind of fit pretty well because I usually do St. George. One, because it's a drive away from LA. It's only six hours away. Um, and I love just doing races that I can just drive to. Um, and it just fit in quite nicely. So the race Oceanside and then St. George. So still kind of early season um, to just try an Ironman, see if I liked it, whatever kind of. I feel like at this point I just want to try it. I'm curious. and um, So, yeah, I'll have to see what, you know, when when we start getting confirmed what races are actually on the schedule and when, see if it's possible. Right, because they moved St. George to September, but honestly, like, I don't yeah. think anyone knows right now. So. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to ask you what are your plans for the year, but it's it's so hard to even – even make a guess right now um yeah i mean the lucky thing that 70.3 worlds is the 24th of november so like at least you know as far as i'm concerned that's that's kind of gonna be a fixture no matter what and that's the main main race so it's kind of like it's kind of good that you know that's not really going to change hopefully it should, i mean you can't say for definite but yeah. i would assume it wouldn't be I was a knock on wood right now, but yeah, I mean, I think that's yeah. uh, pretty late this year. So, so you're still planning. So you're planning on doing that. That's kind of your target for the year, then. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, well, that's a good target. I feel like. And do you think it'll be, uh, <laughs> I guess, stressful for you, exciting for us to watch a, a race this year? I feel like it will be. Yeah. No, I'm really excited. Uh, I've never been to Taupo or New Zealand, so um, I heard it's chip seal. So I'd be interested to just ride the course and stuff there. Oh, Chipsy. Um, oh, like on the course. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, no, and just kind of rolling. No no big descent to worry about. So, um, yeah, no, it should be a good race. And it's Got a lake it. swim, which I love. Yeah, that's true. Those are all the perfect things for races, lake swims, rolling bikes. Yeah, yeah, and a cold runs. lake swim, cold lake swim, which is good. Oh, because then you can wear a wetsuit. everyone else okay. hates it. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, yeah. I prefer not wearing a wetsuit. But if we are going to wetsuit, it better be really cold because everyone else is going to hate it. And I can be fine. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> See, perfect. Because yeah. you're used to yeah. the cold weather. Right. Yeah. Cool. Well, um, thank you so much for talking to us. And I hope that this, like, worked out well. This whole tech thing has been... Kind of a nightmare the last uh, couple of weeks, but you know we're all making do. So um, yeah, yeah. The last uh, the last couple of episodes we've done a like a at the end a, a quick would you rather um, with like Flora and, and Ben Hoffman <laughs> last week. So here's my one for you. Uh, since we were yeah. talking about cold and the rain, would you rather for the rest of your life only be able to ride in the rain? Like that was it. It was always raining when you rode, mm -hmm. or Run only in the rain. Run in the rain. Okay, that's your pick. Yeah, that's probably, yeah, that's, yeah. easily. Run in the run in the rain after you're soaked. It's nice. Whereas <laughs> once you just got a soggy butt when you're riding, it's just and you get cold as soon as you start descending. Yeah. Oh yeah. Running. No, that's sure. where you end up. 
yeah, you end up with hypothermia on the bike. It's bad. So Yeah. <laughs> well, I remember being so at much. the Welsh moors swearing at the sheep because they look so warm. <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't happen in L.A. anymore, no, weirdly. No, no, no. If it's raining, then I'll ride another day. <laughs> it, like, rains barely ever, so it's easy to easy to schedule. <laughs> Well, thank you so much for talking to us and uh, and good yeah, luck sure. with everything and with the quarant you know quarantine whatever we're calling it. So. Yeah, yeah. No, hopefully uh, we'll be getting out there again soon. A big thanks to Holly for getting through that with us and to Chris for all of his insights. Thanks to our editor and to the whole triathlete team and to all of you for listening. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcasts. This has been the Triathlete Hour.